Hello and welcome to the Her Story Speaks podcast. Today's episode is going to be just a little bit different as I'm going to open up and share some of my story, my marriage story. I've hesitated to do this as I don't want this podcast to be about me, but I also know God uses all of our stories for His glory, and I don't want to miss the chance to tell others what God has done in my marriage. So today my guest is my husband, John Miller. As John and I approached our 20th wedding anniversary, we thought the timing couldn't be better to share our story of how God has truly worked miracles in our marriage. Our story is not the fairy tale I had planned for my marriage. Rather, it's been a long, hard journey. The chapters of our story are filled with pages of addictions, financial hardships, deceit, depression, eating disorders, the list goes on, not to mention all the other challenges that go with being married and having children. But the one common theme throughout our marriage story has been God's desire and involvement in our marriage and lives, even when we didn't put Him first. Because God is the author of our story, it's ultimately a story of grace, forgiveness, and redemption. Our desire is for God to use our story to encourage others who may be facing similar marriage struggles and encourage you that there's always hope when we let God in our lives and put Him first in our marriage. Today on the Her Story Speaks podcast, we're going to do things just a little bit differently. To get uh, my guest today is actually my husband, and he's joining me to tell our story, our marriage story. We've been married almost 20 years, so almost half of my life, so that's half of my story. Hmm. Um, So yeah, he's joining me today, and we're just going to talk and share our marriage story. So welcome to the Her Story Speaks podcast, John, even though you're a he. Yeah, it's it's great to be here, and you know that there's he's are a part of hers and stories. So uh, you know our story certainly wouldn't complete be complete without either of us. So this should be fun. Yeah, you're a big part of my story. So right back at you. <laughs> so let's go back twenty years. Nineteen ninety eight. Yes, and we first met in an unusual way that we don't um, advocate well, that- for our children at all. You don't like me saying that. Well, it's unusual for 1998, but it's not unusual for 2018. We met online. Yes. It was called Love at AOL. Once upon a time, people, there was something called America Online. Yes. You had to have a dial-up internet connection. Yes. And you had posted on American on Love at Love at AOL. Yes. I was a senior in high school. In college. Thank you. (laughs) College. I had lived in, in Kansas City for about a year and a half at that time. Okay. Point, and, your, two years. and tell everybody what your screen name it was. It was Kansas City's Finest. I, I have a lot of experience in marketing and sales, and the best way to uh, capture the attention of a potential client is, you know, you make a splash, you make an impression. And, <laughs> and apparently I took the bait. You did. I saw Kansas City's Finest, and I thought, oh my goodness, who does this guy think he is? So... He thinks he's Kansas City's finest. Apparently. So I clicked on the picture, got my attention, um, and then I think I did nothing but just kind of like bookmark you, Yeah, you right? favorited me. Okay. I, I think if, if my memory serves correctly, and my memory of these things may be a little better than yours, you favorited me around December or January, okay. December of, of 97, January of 98, and then it was... Um, Not till spring. April the 7th. When you, I'm sitting at my computer and all of a sudden up pops a, an instant message window when it says, hello. And it was And me. I said, hey. And it was you. And uh, I said, what's going on? You're like, well, you know, I saw your profile a while back and I just got around to responding to you. And that was April 7th of 98. 
Um, I think it was three days later we met Okay, because we started chatting online. Yeah, we on chatted. We emailed. We IM'd. Did we, we didn't ever text talk on the phone? We, uh, maybe once. Okay, yeah. There wasn't texting and all that, so it was IMing on the computer. We don't, like, we're not, we're not, if we don't have a purpose for a phone conversation, both of us yeah, would rather not be on Yeah, what's the purpose of calling somebody before you go on a date and never met him before? So, we didn't talk, we exchanged some screen messages, and we met for a casual date three days later. Yes. And uh, I remember you were going to a Cubs game. You're watching TV over my head. Because I couldn't afford cable. Yes. And, somehow, and I told you these things. And you told me these things, and somehow I overlooked them. I don't know how you overlooked that. Right. I don't know either. I had a big bandage on my chin or a scar on my chin from... A scar, and you said, which I didn't even notice, and you said, you're probably wondering how I got this. Yes. And then you told me. Yeah. I was trying to run away from police officers in a drunken stupor. Yes. So, I didn't necessarily say drunken stupor at that point in time. That will enter into the story later on. Yeah. So despite that, we actually had a nice little evening in Kansas City. I don't know. It was a good conversation, I guess. I don't even know. God put blinders you, on. You me. were looking for a way out to get out of the house. You were living at home, right? I mean, what 22-year-old who's living at home doesn't want to get out? Right. It was about time for me to graduate. You were a nice-looking fellow living on the plaza. Like, okay. So in there, casual date, you're on your way, and I'm on my way. And I don't really recall. It just kind of... We just Things we kept quickly. talking, we kept emailing, we got engaged five months later. Yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, yeah. So we got engaged rather quickly. I mean, a big part of that was because you got a job, whatever, promotion. Yeah, promoted to go take over a, a company in Denver. And so you were moving to Denver, and we thought, oh, well, I'll just move with you. That would be fun. I'm Let's live together. Let's, Let's do it. together. Well, that didn't go over well with the family. So you decided, well, let's. you proposed to me. And so that seemed like the thing to do. If we can't live together, let's just get married. Right. So we really didn't know each other quite that well. No. Um, We didn't have a depth of knowledge. Right. It was very surface knowing each other and dating. We were still in like the dating, get to know each other, fun. Both people are great. All all you know is the good things about the other people because that's all the other person's really going to let you see in that short amount of time. So you proposed five months after we started dating? Yes. Okay. And then we got married two months Seven months, months later. after we began okay. dating, two months after okay. the proposal. Okay, because then you moved to Denver for those last couple yep. of months before we got yep. married. Yep. Um, I did have a few red flags dating, like your drinking. I think I maybe brought that up to you once, but you were like... Oh, Fourth no. of July, I'd spent so yeah. much money on beer, I'd run out of cash. ATMs weren't necessarily And as, I wouldn't give you any of my money for beer. And I was irritated by that. Yeah, that was our first So argument. you should have known something And a few times time. coming to your house on the plaza, you drank a whole lot, and I think I brought it up, but you were just saying... Well, it's just because when we get together, we're like... It's a weekend. It's a weekend. So I kind of overlooked that. So fast forward, we get married. I'm about to Denver. Yeah, it was kind of a rocky start just to begin with, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the moving in, you know, I I went to the Walmart to get a a bath shower curtain. And what did I wind up buying? I don't know. Wallpaper border. Wallpaper border. And we were so mad. And I got home and I was so mad and I kicked things and... So That's I probably kinda, like the worst temper that you've ever right. seen from me. I kind of saw your temper, but since but then... I don't it, even have one. No, since then it's really mellowed down. That was like... I was just tired. I wanted to shower. <laughs> yeah, because we drove at you all from Kansas City to here with like everything to Denver. We're in Denver. We're in Colorado actually right now. The yeah. irony of this. Yes. Drove a U-Haul from Kansas City to Denver with everything we owned, which was like a mattress, 
and a couch and all my boxes of stuff in the basement that my dad started bringing up. Which was way more stuff than I had. Yeah, so we didn't have much. So then gradually we really got to kind of know each other, some issues that we both had. Yeah. It's just, you know, alcohol um, was a big challenge. And I, you know, at that juncture of my life, I really struggled with, you know, lustful imagery and, and, and living the type of pure thought life that, that God would expect from me. And I really struggled with that. And you you found that and, and that was a challenge. And I mean, and we both did not have, I mean, we did not start our, our marriage on with God as the head. We did not no, have a strong relationship we we with Christ. We weren't going to church. Going to it church. wasn't like we were presenting ourselves to be like these close walk with Jesus couple at all. So living together, we saw some things of the other. And I'm also dealing with an eating disorder and you didn't have a clue about that. No, I didn't. I had no idea what that was. Right. So we actually end up living only in Denver for like a month, right? We got the chance to go back to Kansas City. got the chance to go back to Kansas City. They sold the company we did. And you had family, family there and friends there. I had friends there and probably not the best type of influences. So it just was... It just was not a good setup. It was not. You were kind of going back to then your old single ways of drinking. Saturday night, you'd go out to friends, what's the big problem, things right. like that. And then, you know, and then a little time passed and you really were the one, the, the driving force behind, we need to find a church. And, and we found one um, and, and we both really liked it a lot. We, we did in, in earnest get to get plugged. We, we started to get plugged in. We joined a Bible study a uh, time later. Um, you know, this but that a, was still a hard thing, yeah. too, because I can remember, I hate to say, you were kind of, you'd be hungover on Sunday mornings and oh, I would go yeah. by myself. I mean, that didn't just happen overnight, but I think we both kind of realized, like, we've got to be searching for more. And that's in Kansas City you're talking about. Yes. Okay. We got plugged into the church, and and my drinking was a main. My drinking was a part of the first eight years of our marriage. So all the while, I'm concealing the amount that I drank, right. the frequency of the drinking. Because um, you've even said like we'd go to a small group, and then you would come home, and I'd come home, and then I was also you know I, I had I would do writing and things, and I would be up later at night from that. You'd go to bed. And I'd sneak out to the driveway, um, put the car in neutral, and there was enough of a grade where I could kind of push a little bit with one leg and back out and then roll down the hill a ways and then start the car up and then go get some beer. And I just, as I say this right now, I remember that a feeling of euphoria that I would get after I'd snuck out going down in the anticipation of buying a 12-pack. I just because you're getting away with it, or just no, 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 just drink. because. Oh man, this isn't. I mean, oh, it was your yeah. stress relief. I mean, we had money issues. Oh we had boy, we had a lot of money issues. We had money issues. We had trust issues. We had drinking issues. Yes. We had eating disorder issues. We had. I had a child by that point. When we the, came. Yeah, this would have been 2003. So a lot of that threw us both for a loop. I had postpartum depression issues um, that continued. So yeah, we were kind of a mess. This this will be a constant theme. In that, what we're doing, how we're living, the things we're hiding, we absolutely, the odds were stacked against us. I mean, overwhelmingly, the odds were stacked against us from making it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we were, we were, we, we'd gotten baptized together in a lake with your brother. And, and I want to be clear about this. 
my faith in God was genuine, as was yours. Because it was growing during. It was growing. It was kind of. Growing it was during growing that during time. this. God had us in His hands, and He was. Uh, he had to be protecting us. He He knew what lay ahead for us. If we, He He just knew. But we were just. I I, I want to say me more than than Andrea for sure. I was just not living the type of life that would make my dad proud, much less my heavenly father and, or, or my spouse. And a lot of the time, I mean, just very self-centered. It was, it was, uh, our hearts were still being torn between worldly things and Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus did not have all of our hearts. I mean, it just shows what a process it is. And we're still in that process. Right. And oh, definitely sure. God didn't have, was not first in our marriage. No, I think that's kind of the overriding theme that we've struggled with. Because marriage, I feel like, is was hard for us. It's been hard for us the last 20 years. The last few have been the best, but marriage has been a hard thing for us because I think we always struggle to put God first. We did. You know, the, the top of the list was, for me, was more idolatry, career, success, money. I mean, you probably can't count how many ideas I've had through the years of how this is going to work or this is going to hit it big or that's going to hit it big. And... I have a sanguine temperament, which kind of lends itself to that, but that's not an excuse for not understanding what's real, what's attainable, and what's childish ambition or dreams, and just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it or doesn't mean you should even try to pursue it. So one of your big dreams, though, was going to Iowa, starting Hawkeye Nation, covering the Hawkeyes, leaving your job in Kansas and doing that. So we moved out there. Yeah, so we moved up there. I mean, when I was 13, I told my dad I wouldn't be the voice of the Hawkeyes one day. I was going to have a national TV show one day. So we, you followed me back to Iowa because um, I felt that I could do this if I lived up there. You know, I was able to, to get the job with the radio station, uh, the things I always wanted to do. And I kind of became a, a celebrity, you know, a, a big fish in a small pond. And, and with that, you got to go out drinking a lot. I, got, I mean, I had to do a lot of radio remotes at bars. Right. Um, I was selling advertisements to bars. And part of that was, you know, you can drink whatever you want. And right. here's, here's $100 cash. And, and, so, and you're also living in a world where people drink a lot, too. Yes. Other, every, other TV, media, people. Yes. No doubt people. about it. Going out with that. I was just really into that lifestyle, that scene, the notoriety. Yes. Ego, arrogance, pride. I mean, just to the to the tenth degree, all of those things. Yes, and I would say during, and I think I confronted you times, and you would know and realize, and then you would say, "Oh, I won't. I can go for the weekend without drinking, or watch. I'll go without this week." Drinking. I go in for a month one time. Right, just to show me. But then right. I think it would always come back. And then, to be fair, at the same time, I'm dealing probably at the worst during that time eating disorder lost a lot of weight I think because I really felt just out of control with our marriage and what's the point right just things were not good with us I was still overwhelmed with our daughter would have been what three or four I don't even yeah know. so yeah so this is coming to a head in the summer fall of 2006 okay. so we've been married now not quite for eight years okay and I think we've gradually got to the point with that that I kind of just like gave up on your drinking. Because I'm like, you didn't really confront me with my stuff. 
because I didn't want to be confronted. So with I mine. think that's kind of we got yeah. to. But we a negative we, feedback loop. But our marriage was really awful. Like we slept in separate bedrooms. Right. Like we just was not a good marriage. But we also were going to church. I mean, we were going to church, and, and as crazy as it sounds, and there's going to be people listening to this that I know will relate. It's like okay. I feel that way too, I believe, but my life's kind of crazy. Had really good relationships at our church, meaningful, deep relationships, growing in my faith, but all the while, you know, still probably acting in similar fashion to, you know, the Israelites after after Pharaoh had let them out and just, you know what God can do for you, but yet you're still living for yourself and God is just waiting for you. And I think we're both still just so tightly holding on to those addictions for that control and did not want to or they were holding on to us yes so then it all finally came to a head one night that you were out drinking yeah it it was september 30th of 2006 i had a pre-game show that night so i didn't have to do a post-game show so that meant i could go out to the bars actually and watch a game and and I planned for weeks, planned to take a cab home, etc. You had family in town and went out, and it was a rather... Yes, my brother and his friend were actually yes. visiting and went out yes. with you, and I think you probably thought you could show them a good time. They still, to this day, would say it was one of the most fun nights of their life, but still, <laughs> I mean, I, I drank a lot. Yeah. A lot, and I didn't call a cab home because I oftentimes would know when I was close to being out of control or losing control in a public place, and I did not ever want to do that. So I snuck out, as I often did. I disappeared. I drove home. And you drank a lot, and you still uh, drove home. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, when I say a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot. It's like most people would be passed out down Yeah. with yeah. half of what I drank that night. Got home. I don't, I don't really remember the rest of this. It's kind of blurry to me, too. All I know is you came home, and obviously you reeked of alcohol, and you were just slurring your words, and you just seemed like you didn't even have a memory of You asked you who gone. won the game, and I said Iowa didn't. You knew they didn't. I'm, I'm remembering what you told me the next days. I laid across the bed You're perpendicular. Just inco- very just, yeah. incoherent. Yeah, I probably, like, probably reeked. You and, did, and, then I just, and I had known that you... Because normally I go into the guest yes, room. Yes, but I think since we had people visiting you didn't and so i just know you were very incoherent you read you're slurring you weren't making any sense you didn't seem to remember your night and then you pretty much passed out and i just and i knew you had driven home and i that was probably the worst i'd ever seen you so i was just at that point like i'm done i can't do this anymore he's jeopardizing everything by drinking and driving and continuing to and this is just getting worse and i'm done i can't raise my daughter here Mm -hmm. with this man so Got up early that next morning, and you were, I mean, completely just passed out. Mm -hmm. And I think I wrote a note that just said, I'm done, I'm leaving, I'm taking our daughter to church, and I'm heading to Kansas City to see my family, to be with my family. And that was it. I left, went to church with the total intention of, like I said, our bags packed and taking her to Kansas City and being done with this marriage. Um, But then I remember picking her up. From the kids' childcare at the church, um, she handed me the paper that she worked on that said, Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive each other. Colossians 3.13. And that just hit me right then and there that I felt like I just couldn't, I couldn't just leave him. That I feel like God just was talking to me right there that it wasn't um, my place not to forgive him and that um, maybe this marriage wasn't over with. So from there... 
proceeded to take, I didn't go to Kansas City, I remember actually taking Grace to the pumpkin patch, because I was still trying to, just wrestling with my thoughts on what to do, and I don't know, had I, had we communicated at that point? Not really. Okay. I, I still don't even know if, like, texting was, probably, yeah. probably was around then, but I was, I was, I knew that, I knew that this one was trouble, and just, just felt sick to my stomach all day from anxiety, and then you came home. And, and, and your brother left and it was just you, me and, and Grace and we were in the basement of the house right next to the washer and dryer on a concrete floor and you told me that um, you told me that you wanted to be done and that you still didn't know if you weren't done but you knew that you needed to forgive me but we were still on pretty yeah pretty touch and go and yeah, I don't think I had totally been like, okay, I just have to forget no, and make this you, work. No, you probably did that in your head a little bit, but you hadn't seen me right. yet. Because I remember telling you, I'm going to get better and get help for my issues. Yes. Because I'm going to get custody of yes. Grace and not you. So yes. I remember saying that. So clearly I was not. Clearly not the heavenly. <laughs> right where God wanted Holy Ghost was rolling <laughs> some, through you at that point. For some reason when I saw you, it <laughs> just got yeah. really ticked off again. <laughs> and you left and you walked upstairs and I hit my knees. And I prayed. Because I'd been praying actually for the year prior. God, please help me to cut back on my drinking. I never prayed for a net. Help me quit drinking. Because, like a lot of alcoholics, you you just believe that you there's nothing else you can do for fun. That your identity becomes that. And I was no different. And I hit my knees and I said, God, you have to take this cup from my mouth. I cannot. I am not strong enough. You have to do this for me. And that's October first of two thousand and six. That night I went to AA. I knew I had to like show you like I'm really going to do something. And I was, I talked about doing that in the past, but I didn't want to because again, pride, ego. Right. I didn't want people recognizing me there and saying, well, what's John Miller doing there? Right. What I didn't realize is in a group like that, there's not a judgmental eye in the house. And, um, and I had heard some false promises from you in the past. Yes. So I don't even think you told me you went to AA. I think you just, did yeah um which was shocking that you took that step well i just i did not want to lose my daughter you know at that at that particular instant no, it's okay i know that particular instant it was more it was about her and not you or us I know. it was about her and um so i was going to do what i needed to do to make sure i didn't lose her and that's when god just performed one of his first miracles in our marriage well Probably other miracles along the way, but maybe the most observable at that point in time was that um, he took alcohol from me. I have not had a sip since. I have not been tempted to drink since. Two weeks after that, you went out to Washington, D.C. with Grace. So I'm home alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wasn't even tempted. This is all a miracle. To drink. Oh, it's absolute. I was, I was have- drinking almost a 12 pack a night. I didn't no have physical. any withdrawal, except I did eat the heck out of those freezy pops. <laughs> I had carbohydrate. I had carbohydrate withdrawal. Really, I didn't have out the shakes of that. God took it away from me, and I've been. And then I remember getting you a guitar, and yes. God seemingly replaced. You really got into that music. And At night, when I used to drink, I taught myself to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. So I sobered up. And we also got into marriage counseling. We got into marriage counseling. Yes. The first night was our 
eighth anniversary. The first, <laughs> our first marriage counseling appointment was the night of our eighth anniversary. Oh. We went, to, we had planned to go to dinner afterwards. Thinking it would be And that makes me evening. almost nauseous thinking about that, how uncomfortable that was. Yes, that would be a good bit of advice. Don't go Do to. Do not go to counseling, your first counseling session on your. Anniversary, anniversary and think you'll have a great dinner and night after it because that was a bad dinner a really bad dinner i hope we're inspiring people that they feel like they're so much better than <laughs> when we were <laughs> so we got marriage counseling i also got in counseling for eating disorder mm-hmm. um i mean we really i mean seeing you get into aa not drinking like that just spoke huge volumes to me so gradually we start putting God first in our marriage. I had mentors at church. I mean, my householder, Lutheran Church of Hope, Hope, I mean, just an amazing man, one of the biggest influences in my life. Um, So many people at that church. Right. And And I think I remember even at that church, like an eating disorder support group, like mm -hmm. we both really started coming face to face with some things. Um, Yeah. During that time, also with you, that was so healing with Celebrate Recovery starting, um, and that fit in with your guitar. It was three years after okay. I'd quit drinking. Oh, was that far? Three okay. years after. So I taught myself to play the guitar, and, and I, I mean, I dove into it. I mean, one thing that you would say that isn't true about me is I'm like all in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, that's the addictive personality. It's the type A. It's the same with. I just dove into it. I, you know, that Brian Adams song, Summer of 69, played it till my fingers bled, you know? Mm-hmm. I did that. I, I, I shut my eyes. I, I taught myself three chords, shut my eyes, and went over and over till my fingers bled. To where I was, like, writing songs. I was writing songs about God and, and, and His power and that. And um, I would send them to Pastor Mike. And uh, just, you know, I had to have an outlet to share them with somebody. They, they, I've listened to them recently. They were, like, brutal, but at any rate. It's the thought that counts. And, uh, so <laughs> but he said that. I got better yes. and better. And then he reached out to me. He's like, hey, I want you to do something. It wasn't like I didn't ask you to do it. I want you to do something. We're going to start up a Celebrate Recovery group here. And I want you to be the worship leader. To which I just like laughed out loud. I'm like, I haven't sang a song since, you know, I was Willy Wonka singing Imagination in junior high. And that was a big church. It, wasn't it was a like big church. Yeah, it's, it's so a big church. That and, was a big um, thing for you. But, I, you know, I was like, okay, you know, all right. God took that cup for me. God, that's right. He so he, he, God did not heal me from alcoholism so that John and Andrea Miller and Grace Miller could live happily ever after. I mean, he did that so that I could share this story with people to they could really truly see right. and hear a story of his amazing power. Right. And so Celebrate Recovery started in April of 2009. Mm-hmm. And three to four weeks prior to the starting of Celebrate Recovery, we had our second child. And had God not taken alcohol from me, that child would not be in existence right, today. because we definitely were not going to have any more no, children. We were no, going to be done, really. No. And that's about the time, too, that you shared your testimony. It's the exact church. same time. The, the, week, the, the two weeks before Celebrate Recovery started, before we launched it, Mike asked me if I'd be willing to, to share my testimony. This is the largest Lutheran church in the world. So it was a large crowd. It was, uh, I think, I don't know, 3,000 people in the auditorium three times or four times. Um, so it was a lot of people. It was, and I'd been and I shared it on the radio with my audience, um, but that's different than standing up in front of people. There's, a, but you know what? It was uh, 
I, I just didn't have any problem with it because I was I was happy to do it. And and as I gave the testimony, which I still have the audio of that testimony, I was able to point up at the screen. We had a picture of you know Mary who had come into the world, and you, me, Grace, and Mary all there. And it's just like it's just a visible touchstone to the power, the trans, the transformative and healing power of God. Right. I agree. But then with that. So we were on this high, marriage is good, celebrate recovery. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. But I also think it's that the devil goes away, but then he comes back stronger. Mm -hmm. And I think we had fought so hard, resisted the devil, temptation, God, you know, looked to the Lord all the time. But then I think we just started letting our guard down gradually. gradually, Let our guard down. Yep. My, My ego and arrogance did not... I didn't ask God to take that from me, unfortunately, um, and it was there. And it was, it, you know, I, I was able to audition for and get a national television show. And I then quit my radio show because, of course, I'm too big for that. And I'm on my way to the dreams and goals I'd always set out for myself. Just very prideful, very arrogant. And um, God has a way of, yeah. of course, correcting that, too. Right. And I think we just gradually, too, like, okay, we fought, fought, fought for our marriage. It's good. Now we can relax and focus on other things. But that's just so not true. Like, it is a daily fight to keep your God at the top of your marriage and each other. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think it, that's it, one it, of our... In year 20, I mean, we talk, it, yeah. talked about that earlier today. That it still is like... You cannot just get comfortable and think your marriage, okay, fine, good. Now it's it's okay. You've never arrived Mm-mm. until you arrive it's work. in the kingdom. It's, it's work. work. It's work. So gradually years, I don't know how many years then, um, was that like five years of kind of gradually being at the peak of every we were good? I'd say two, two to three solid years. So that's okay. 2000. I mean, so 06, 07, better, 08, 2009. Okay, yeah. so your business, though, was going really well It was for going a while. really well. Um, ironically, I was working at the church um, and leading a ministry there. Your business is going well. We were, unfortunately, though, kind of keeping up with the Joneses probably more than we should have in terms of house and cars and schooling and all that, right? Yeah, I had a, had a seven-figure investment valuation um, in the business, but we were living like that was like the cash flow. That right. was coming and that in. that cash flow was always going to come in. Right. Just really irresponsible. And um, there, were, there were a number of things right. there. Because there were other things then money just didn't start. Money did not continue to come in. And then you started hiding things. Am I yes, right? that is okay. correct. And I know that there were times that I tried to confront you or question you. And you would get pretty upset about that. Um, that you had it under control. But um, obviously you didn't. And you continued to hide things. Okay. Yes. You're still not drinking. Still not That's drink. good. Just never drink. That's right. Um, but the money issues started to be a big issue. That's right. And maybe need to back, you know, back up a little bit because, you know, you don't get into some big problems overnight usually. But from the financial front, um, I had, you know, just very irresponsible. This going back to the early 2000s when I was a drunk and I was incredibly irresponsible and just was not behaving the way that a man should. Um, didn't pay taxes for five or six years. Didn't file taxes. 
And I was not aware of this. You were not aware of this. When I sobered up in 2006, I'm like, okay, oh my gosh, what have I done? I was terrified. Literally, I believe the um, hair loss that is beginning to take over my five head now began at that juncture because of how stressed out I was and still never drank, still never drank one drop, never, wasn't smoking any drugs or, I mean, nothing, which is a miracle in and of itself because the stress that I was feeling was incredible. Fear that I was going to go to jail, fear that the black hell, I couldn't watch TV shows that had anything to do with jail or prison because I thought I was going to go to prison for tax evasion. And obviously our marriage was not in a good place because you were not able to share this with me. Right. I mean, I can blame you. Oh, you lied. You hid all this. But obviously, like, you did that for a reason that you knew maybe our marriage couldn't handle it. That, and I also didn't, I didn't want you to stress out because I, again, going back to the arrogance and ego, I've, I had an unhealthy belief in my ability to overcome my mistakes. And... I, I would, I would get ahead. I would dig out because I would, I'd call the IRS, talk to them, terrified. After I would talk to them, they actually calmed me down. Said, "Hey, you just need to get back in the system. Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to file. You were trying. You need to file. So what I would do is, is you know, um, we'd have a really good year in the business and have another sixty or seventy grand laying around. Okay." So I'd file for like 2003, 2004, and now we're like, it's 2008. And I'd pay those off, back taxes and penalties. Pay those off. Okay, good. I didn't know all this was going on. Right. And and then, you know, came, we wanted to buy a house, you know, and I was mortified and terrified by that because how are we going to buy a house with this? But again, came $50,000 comes in because of a... There's something, you know, uh, Iowa goes to a bowl game and I sell a bowl charter. I mean, some of you listening to this are from Iowa and you are aware, but um, it was the 2009, um, 2008 season and Iowa beat Penn State on a last second field goal that allowed them to wind up going to a bowl game. I was, I cried in my friend's basement, not because I was happy that Iowa won a game, but because that kept hope alive that I could help get us out of this hole. Right. In 2009, the next year, you were in the room with me when I cried at one game when they won in the last second. Again, all of this is because of the financial stress that I was under. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But I still didn't realize you were under you all that stress. You, Money, things just seemed fine. We had the house. We got, I mean, I knew some of it, but not the, I took care of things, but not all the way. And you right. did not know not about that. Not the extent of it. And again, I'm not, can't totally blame you because obviously our marriage wasn't good or I wasn't diving in more to see what was going on. I was just taking for granted that things were fine. Um, but that all definitely came to a head. Um, I think you had started like hiding some IRS letters and then I knew like something is definitely not right here. Um, and then did I directly confront you? Is that how I think it was 2012 and just a, a number of things were happening that were really I mean, I look back on it now and I see the providence in all of it. You know, that was the summer you and I had been down to IHOP in Kansas City and just really, we, we really, we really That's were right. drawing closer. And and um, that was the year that advertising, financial advertising, the, the financial crash of 08, 09 finally crept in and, and hit advertising, digital advertising really hard. And my website was the primary source of income we had and banner ads. And what was what was once worth 10x was now worth 2x 
and uh, had a company fly in from New York. They stayed, they were saying they wanted to hire me to be their big head of digital advertising. And I, I spent the whole day with the guy. He was at our house and then that didn't pan out every time, every time something looked like it was going to happen and I could get myself out of it again. Right. And not have to tell and me. not have to tell you and not have to face up and not have to have any healing and not have to be humbled. Right. John Miller was in charge. It fell through every turn. So about this time of the fall of 2012, I began um, having a um, regular Bible study, a regular meeting, a dude meeting with Pastor Mike at church. Um, just, just a number of really, really good men. We got together, and one of the people that we were there with and said, um, I, I shared this, and he said, have you ever wondered if you're supposed to hit bottom, if you're supposed to go broke, if you're not supposed to be bailed out this time? And I did not want to hear that mm -hmm. at all because the pain of the pot, just, I could see that pain road, and I did not want to go down that. That meant coming clean with you because I was also... Our, our income was pretty uh, non-existent. Even, you were building certain. Well, we yeah. had some, but you were putting a lot on. Started putting a lot yeah, on. Yeah, I, I wound up racking up fifty thousand cards and fifty thousand dollars in credit cards because I just wanted to keep the plate spinning until I figure out the, my right. way out of this. And I just kept digging. Anyway, um, those words were profound because you know that's what would happen, and our marriage was just really, really getting bad and getting right, dark because there's all the stress and tension there, and it was not good. It was not good. We were sleeping in separate beds again. You know, now we have two kids and they can tell what's going on. So we were taking a trip to Florida Mary's in March birthday. for our youngest birthday to visit my brother and sister-in-law. So you decide to come clean, at least partially clean. And yes, tell, partially. Yes, partially. And tell me about the credit card debt uh, the day before we leave for vacation. Yes. Um, which, needless to say, did not make for the best family vacation. Things were a little tense with us during that whole trip. I was... Pretty upset, one, because you had hidden things from me, and two, because we did have a lot of credit card debt. Um, About $50,000. $50,000. So, um, was not the best trip. Then you go home. Mm-hmm. With Mary. With Mary, our youngest. And yes. I stay with Grace, um, and I decide to stay there longer and process all of this and, like, just, I'm really just kind of shocked and hurt and everything because mm -hmm. we had had trust issues in the past and I think mm -hmm. that's why this really hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, so then I had a couple days there to ponder and pray about this and then I think I was just feeling like, I don't know, I think there's more to this because I had remembered you hiding some of the tax stuff, um, just knowing that that had been an issue in the past. So I think then you came clean to me on that while I was down there. We had two tax liens that were placed on our house and it just felt like I couldn't breathe couldn't in deal in addition to those tax in liens we also in, in addition to the tax liens we had some back taxes that we owed that we still needed to get cleaned up and we'll talk about that in a bit but so this was just a lot a lot to hit you with and um, at this point in time I was literally, I couldn't eat. Um, I was dealing with biggest anxiety periods of my life. I'm pretty sure I entered into a state of depression. I've never felt that before. Lost so 30 what, pounds. So what, um, one of the guys that was in your Bible study told you that you might have to hit rock bottom was happening. He told me that back in October bottom. of 2012. This is March of 2013. And I, I was at rock bottom. Um, right. Yeah, just 
So our marriage pretty much hit rock bottom then. When you find, told me everything, it was... We thought the alcohol stuff in 2006 right. was going to be rock bottom. But and I remember thinking that when you told me, and I believe you told me maybe in an email. I don't know. I, I think it was just, I don't... I, don't. I, I can't remember. <laughs> but I do I, remember... I'm, I'm like running my hands through what okay. hair this I have left on the top of my head. This isn't supposed to stress you out. No, it's not, it's We're just, sharing our story that has a good ending. I, I know. I'm so just remembering this time. don't you out. <laughs> You're getting anxious. <laughs> um, it has a happy ending. So I remember, like you just said, thinking, oh my gosh, the whole alcohol, that was the rock bottom of our marriage. Like, I've already been through this. I'm not doing this again. And I pretty much thought right there, like... I am done. I'm not going through this again. And again, I think a big part was the whole trust stuff. Just you had hid the alcoholism and other things from me and lied to me. And I feel like, whoa, I thought we've gotten past that. And have we really gotten anywhere? So I spent that time down in Florida kind of indefinitely. I don't think I said like, I think maybe I extended my trip down there with Grace. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of long walks. Uh, praying but still in my mind thinking I'm leaving like I'm done I got to figure this out whereas you you had kind of told me that too because I was starting to think well am I going to move with my parents am I going to move at the west branch but you were also at that time looking for jobs in Oklahoma because I can remember vividly on the phone with my mom walking around taking a walk in Florida and telling her I'm done, I'm leaving him. And I remember her and I said, I'm not following. If he thinks I'm following him to Oklahoma for a job, he's crazy. So I think you had started putting some feelers out there. Yeah. And um, I had, and I had interviewed at that point yes. in time with some friends in that I had known from my first bout in the energy industry in the nineties who had stayed in the energy industry. And I reached out to them as almost a last resort. Like, I don't right. want to go back into this so industry. So you had done all this before you told me because yes. we knew that you needed yes. a, a better job. Yes. So I remember telling my mom, I'm not pulling him to Oklahoma. He's crazy if he thinks that. And I'm so done. And I remember my mom saying, I don't blame you at all for that. But you've got to know he is not going to just let you take the girls. And that was kind of the first reality hit for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say Jesus was. But that was kind of the first, like, okay kind of sidetracked my thinking of I'm just leaving him. So that did get me thinking and praying like, gosh, do I leave him like that? Like just really thinking of the repercussions and what all that meant. And then I was open to praying and what does God want? And I really, I just so felt God telling me like, if you leave him, that just ruins your testimony. And that is not how your story is supposed to end. So with me feeling like God was telling me that I knew I couldn't just up and leave you. So I remember telling you, I'm still down in Florida, and I remember telling you, I actually think I emailed you. You know, we're not, we weren't big phone talkers, so (laughs) email's so much easier, and texting I still don't think was a thing then, um, like it is now. But I remember telling you, I will stay with you and fight for our marriage, but it's not because I love you. It's because I love my girls, Mm -hmm. and I love God. So... With that, and at that point in time, that was enough. You would take that. I, I said, "Deal." Um, <laughs> Come on, baby. You know, I can eat again. Um, I had. There's oh. a chance. So there's. You're telling me there's a chance. So Grace and I came home, and during this time, though, you started seeking some spiritual counseling advice because you were very like depressed and low, and life was really bad for several months. For sure, for several months, I had sought that out, and I had 
the counsel of just very wise Christian men, support from my family, my dad, my mother, my sister, my brother, your mom, you know, was a big help for me as well. And, and yeah. And then so you started that. We started back in marriage counseling. We also started going to a bankruptcy attorney because we were kind of like, what are we going to do? He still didn't have a job in Oklahoma. We hadn't, we didn't have any, you had interviewed for other jobs that you weren't getting. So I think reality also started hitting. So bankruptcy attorney, but I know I was adamant, like, I just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So like I had said, we started meeting with a counselor. Um, and I think God really gradually just started to work on my heart to forgive you. And if we're doing all these things and I want to make this work, I knew I needed to be all in and love you and forgive you. Um, and I feel like God just told me, like, I don't ask you to forgive once or twice or seven times. But what is that? Seven? 77. Exactly. So we are on number 76. So you still have a couple more Probably left. Probably a little over than that. <laughs> so it was Easter Sunday of what year? 2013. That, that I, I think we had met with the counselor, gone to church. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, free counselor. Cause a we free counselor. Afford we couldn't afford it. But the church... And the community had a free counselor mm-hmm. therapist that we saw. But I think it was that day I told you I forgave you. That was that was probably the greatest day of my life. Um, you oh. know, we grow up and we go to church and we hear the stories of Jesus and how he forgives us and we believe that. But to have that level and depth of forgiveness given to you by a human being and someone that you have harmed and hurt over and over again. To have you forgive me, it was it was the greatest feeling of relief and release, and I, it's nearly indescribable, and it also helped galvanize to me in my mind how I can't take the forgiveness that Jesus freely gives to us for granted. It was It was nearly a personification of God's grace. Well, the grace that think, you afforded to me. I don't think it was coincidental. It was a Easter Sunday church service that you didn't I didn't have that planned. No, I mm-hmm. mean I think it was the power of that. Me hearing that mm-hmm. message and just realizing again, like oh, God sacrificed so much for us, and Jesus did this, and I can't just forgive my husband again. Yeah, I can, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna stay with him and make this marriage work, I have to. Then that all sounds great, okay? But the context of that, the context of your forgiven me, is let's let's just lay the list out right here. We've got two tax liens on our house. We have fifty thousand dollars in new credit card debt, and we have two hundred thousand dollars of back tax IRS debt and yeah, penalties. That's a lot. So you're talking nearly three hundred thousand dollars. And you forgave me, probably realizing, or maybe you didn't even stop to think about it, that it's highly unlikely that we would get out of that debt this side of heaven. Right. I knew forgiving you didn't mean the debt was gone. And that was still, even though I forgave you, that was still kind of a hard thing. I mean, to still not let just animosity build up and come up. But I also knew that if we had any chance of making our marriage work or getting through this, I had to forgive you and be all in to and, support and, you. And, and, and support me, you did. And it wouldn't, 
what transpires next wouldn't have happened without your your support. It just wouldn't have ha- I wouldn't have been able to function. But I think that's being obedient to God because our story would have such a different ending if I would have said, I'm done, I'm leaving you. I don't care what God's telling me to do. There's no question. There's no so question. So I feel like God really blessed the next part of our marriage and life because of both of us just, again, falling to our knees and being obedient and like, okay, we realize again, we can't do this on your own God, our own God, you are in control. So we kind of get busy with like, what is the yeah, reality? So, so we now, need to get our house Right, the reality hits. But also in there, I mean, I, I remember getting the letter from your grand. There were just things that started to happen from that point. It's almost like... I felt like that too. Like every, like things just, we started to just... It's like, yeah. It's hard to say. It's like, it's like the scene of the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy's running, you know, you're out of the woods, step into the light. <laughs> and it's, it's you know, your, your grandma had sent a letter to me that I still have to this day and still read regularly. And it, she sent a check to, to pay, pay for yeah, our daughter's last few months at her school. Because we had no money. Yeah, no, we had no money. And and I was still, you know, kind of pretending, like putting on that face. And you kind of, this is after you for, had forgiven me, but you kind of dressed me down a lit, little bit verbally, which I needed it. Like, you know, John, stop caring about what other people mm-hmm. think and start focusing about yeah. your family and what needs to be done. And... um so my, I had my pride. I was broken. I was I was broken, and needed to be broken. Frankly, we get the house up for sale by owner really quickly. Yes, we did. Um, which that was an amazing God thing because put it on Zillow and what within the we had we had to put it on Zillow. Yes. We had to we had to sell it by owner because we needed the money to pay the tax liens off. Right, and that was a miracle in itself because with what within a few hours, fifteen minutes. Okay, fifteen minutes. Fifteen wow. minutes. The person said, "Is this house available?" I'm like, yeah, it is. They were the ones that wound up buying the house, and they also did not have a realtor. Yeah, and we bought that house. Well, how long did we live there? We bought it in 2010, and we only lived there for three years. And we made a pretty good profit, and did not have a realtor. Correct. So we and were that was enough to pay off the all tax, tax liens. liens. Yep, that's right. And then. We didn't still know. So the house is sold. We start selling just about everything, furniture inside. We get our cars. My car was a lease that we ended up having to turn back in mm-hmm. early. Pay you, the penalty on that. Right. And you still, though, do not have a job. So you call and tell the guy in Oklahoma, like, look, I sold my house. Like, do I have this job or not? And basically that kind of spurred things along that we knew we had a job. You had a job in Oklahoma and we were moving there. So... So the first week of June of 2013, we moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> Not knowing. I don't think you'd ever been to Oklahoma. No. Oh, I actually I did when we went the weekend to look around. Oh yes, and I think the that one was, weekend to find a house. Yeah, yes. and I was pretty sad that weekend. You cried. I cried a lot. Be- yes, you cried. I don't want to offend anybody that lives in Oklahoma or Owasso, but it was just very different from the town we were. I've got to share this detail. The first night we're at the hotel. <laughs> In Oklahoma, looking at houses, the, the head story of the newscast was Tulsa, Oklahoma, named the fourth most redneck city in America. Uh huh. And we were looking at each other like, and what just, God is going on? And I think I broke down crying. It you had did. been like, I can't handle this. And plus, we had looked at houses all day and we were in a much lower, I mean, which is totally fine. It just, oh, we, we, we didn't got, care. We got used to a very different level of right, housing and right. we were back to like what we should have been looking right, at. And right. 
that was just different than we were used to. Right. But it's okay. We did it. We bounced back, and you know, we were we were just happy. We were happy That's to right. be together. That's right. So we load up the truck. We come here. The girls stay back. We are going to sign on the house that we bought. We're there at the house waiting. Waiting for the moving truck to come. And then we noticed termites. We noticed a termite infection in the retaining wall. So long story short, uh, we couldn't close in the house that day. Had to make a decision that night if we were going to accept their repair or move all our stuff into storage. So we decided we can't follow through with this house. Everything we own, which is a lot less than it used to be, goes into storage. We go into a one-bedroom furnished apartment in Owasso. Um, and that's where we're going to live. And we have to tell the girls, like, hey. Whatever suitcase you brought, that's what you have. That's what you get. And we went, we went from, whatever, a 4,000-square-foot house to a 500. little... 500. 500-square-foot. But foot. I remember us laughing. Yeah. At this point, we were just like, wow. Okay, whatever. Okay, we're, we're, we're on the wave. We can't... Right. Whatever it is, God, wherever you're taking us. Yeah. You know? We were kind of rising up and just, like, laughing, and this is crazy, and this is our life right now, and let's just deal with it. It's Let's yep. see what story got us planned exactly. for us. Yeah. Um, and there were just a lot of funny things that summer. So we're all living in the one bedroom apartment. The three girls and I, or the three of us are in the bed. You're on the couch. Um, we are down to just one car. Is that right? Uh-huh. And then you end up having to borrow an old truck from the mortgage guy because we he, couldn't sign on another car. Because he kind of screwed things up a little bit. But at any rate, so I was driving his Air, no air conditioning working, 1999 Ford F-150 that had 250,000 miles to and from work. <laughs> in Tulsa. We're in Owasso. In Tulsa. You're in Tulsa. And we you, we couldn't buy another car yet because we couldn't risk our credit being damaged so that we couldn't get a house. Right. So we're continuing to look for houses but not really find anything. And until we do, you have to drive this truck and we have to stay in this apartment. You're also transporting, I'm trying to remember this, transporting Grace's hamster to and from work every, or something. <laughs> every Wednesday at the furnished apartment, they came to clean it. And <laughs> we were technically not allowed to have pets, but what do you do? We weren't planning on moving into that. And So the dog, the dog went to my parents. The dog that, was That little parents. hamster we had to keep with us. So I had no other option, <laughs> but I took it in to work with me. And that first day was interesting. <laughs> I walk in, and you walk in through the door, and there's a security guy there. I had it covered with a blanket, and... I just walked in, said hello, and kept walking and went up to my... I didn't ask for permission. I was going to beg for forgiveness. And I put the hamster underneath my feet at my desk every <laughs> at Wednesday. At a company you've been working at only for... For a, like, a few weeks. For a few weeks. And, and, and Kay across from me hated rodents. <laughs> so that was kind of our summer. Like, just a it lot was of insanity. Funny things, but I really think, I mean, that was such in God's plan because I feel like that was one of the better times of our family. Just like we did not have our stuff to worry about. We did not have a yard to worry about. We just, and we were very close and we just, we had each other Literally, and God just stripped it all down. I mean, we can also talk about when the two bedroom apartment became available at the complex we were staying at and the girls were just like oh my gosh they were screaming and overjoyed they got their own bedroom to share and that there was a closet and so they could play in the closet yes and i recorded that and i said i'm going to share this with you throughout your life whenever you think that you're going through hardships and struggles just remember how thankful you were for a two-bedroom apartment that was 1,000 square feet yeah so it was truly a summer that god helped us reprioritize our marriage it was a total realignment yes and it we finally, I mean, we got through that summer and we got a house and we're focused on each other, our kids, our marriage. 
your job was going well. I mean, you had the discipline. We were rebuilding our marriage. I mean, it was still hard, but it just seemed like, gosh, all we had was God to focus on and become yep. like the center again. Um, and then just some miracles happened with you selling your company and so, yeah, so sold the website and we were able to pay down some debts from that. Um, the first year, year and a half of, of working at the new company back in, in energy, um, you know, you got to prove yourself again. You kind of start out. I, I started out at the same salary level when I left the industry in 2003. Again, I was very humble, but I was so thankful to have it. And when I left the industry back then, like I'm never doing this again. And I was so thankful to have this. And then I was able just to really do well at it. And we kept paying our debts down and paying our debts down. And money was tight, but we were disciplined. We, we, we had a lot of, we had a hole to climb out of and we did it. And you worked really hard and got, I mean, God bless you. And um, this is not about a prosperity gospel. It's not. At all. But. This is just how God chose to write the chapter of our story of bringing us low financially and getting everything realigned. I mean, because now we really feel like God wants to use that to bless others with we, how he's blessed us. We, we were fortunate that we didn't screw up badly enough that we took options off of our plate for the future. And I was able to get employment. I hadn't, you know, I'd been sober for a long time. So I, I hadn't made those mistakes that would have limited my opportunities and Boy, the from 2013 to 2018, that was the that job was an amazing thing. I would say too, our marriage has our, probably been the best in the last four years. There's I no mean. no doubt about it. I mean, we're we're friends now. Doesn't mean that like we still aren't husband and wife, and that there aren't normal husband and wife tensions, and that we still don't need to work on our marriage. But yeah. And I think we've said too, like coming through that. And that seemed to be harder than the alcohol. I don't know. I think because it seemed like such a long process. But coming through that, now we even laughed at like, what else? I mean, things will pale in comparison. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that we think of encountering finances or job or whatever. Like, what's the worst that can happen? We'll get through it. God will get us through it. I mean, we even joke. I mean, we not even some joking, but we both say and remind ourselves often. If you know, if something happened and and we have to sell everything we have again. We have to go back into it. We'll be fine. Right. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll be fine. We'll be able to deal with that because of what we've been through. And, you know, five years after that bottom out breaking point, our marriage is as good as it's ever been. We've paid off every cent of debt. All of our back taxes, every cent of tax we ever owed, we paid it. The tax liens paid. Credit cards paid, and, and it's um, a miracle. It, it, it mean, is it's a only God. And again, we're not preaching prosperity gospel, no. but it was God things for sure. Though I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why we were able to do that. And and some people may not be. I don't know. I I, I know it's not just so John and Andrea can have a, a nice life, an easy life the rest of the way. It's to do things like we're doing right now and sharing this. And because I know that pe there's people listening to this, that any number of things that we've mentioned over the course of this podcast, they're going through they're or, or they're about to go into it and they just don't know it yet. Right. And they'll wonder, how can I possibly make it through this? 
And a lot don't. I mean, we've taught marriage classes classes that we know statistics that half of marriages end in divorce, and that's the same with Christian marriages. I mean, marriage is really hard. And you can't just look at your marriage story as one year of it or two years of it. I mean, we're almost 20 years married, and we would say 15 of them were probably really hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we no most of that most of that time we I don't know that we were friends. We were co-parents. Mm-hmm. We were roommates or housemates because we weren't even sleeping in the same room a lot of those times. But I think yeah. through, like I said, we love marriage studies. We've learned through those that the point of marriage isn't necessarily about our happiness. It is so much of it is to give God the glory. And, and to become more, more Christ-like. Christ-like. You said that to me several years ago. Mm-hmm. Because I've read a lot of marriage books. You have. <laughs> and I heard that, and it really stopped me in my tracks. The point of marriage is so that we become more like Christ. Well, then you have to dig deeper and say, okay, well, what was Christ like? Well, he laid down and sacrificed everything he had for others. Right. And he was forgiving. And he, and he offered grace. And he loved. He loved everyone. He gave all that he had. And that's what I'm really excited about for however many more years on this planet we have. Seeing how God is going to use us in those ways and to continually work on becoming more and more like Christ. So that's the end of our story for now. This is us. This is us for now. I'm sure we have many more chapters ahead. And I think... We know, and I pray that we can just continue to keep God first um, and prepared for what's ahead. Well, thank you, my husband, for coming on with me today and sharing our story. It's her story speaks, but it's our story um, because that's a big part of my story. It is, and, and I think that that's a good way to end it because I'm incredibly proud of you and thankful for you without your grace and your forgiveness. I hate to guess what I'd be. I love you. That again. (laughs) I do love you. I love you too. Should we make out right now? Let's do it.